Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning, Wake Up Squad, and thanks for rising with us again. Later, we'll close out Black August with Neely Fuller Jr. expanding on his tome on the system of racism and white supremacy. Now, as many of you already know, Mr. Fuller contends that if you don't understand how the system of racism and white supremacy works and all that it entails, then everything else that you think you understand will only serve to confuse you. And I got to tell you, a lot of folks who didn't get a chance to hear Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, uh, Dr. Van Sertima, Dr. Welsing, and, and now sometimes you may miss a chance to hear Neely Fuller. So if you know folks who are of that ilk who, who would talk about these other folks that we used to have on the radio, call them up and let them know that Neely Fuller Jr. is going to be on the radio. And of course, tomorrow is Friday, and we'll give you another chance uh, uh, to free your mind. It's an open phone Friday program. Think for yourself, and you can share your black ideas starting at 6 a.m. right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95. 5.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, let's see if we have uh, Dr. Walter Williams with us. Good morning. Okay, we, we haven't got Dr. Williams yet, so we'll we just wait on Dr. Williams. because Dr. Williams wants to teach us about the origin and the history of Judaism, so we're going to uh, discuss that. But you know what, uh, Kevin, we were, uh, Kevin, put your headphones on, because, you know, before we were talking about the new moon, and I, I got to tell you, I looked at it. I didn't see a, a difference. Uh, Kevin was telling me that there is a difference. There was a difference. You know, I guess I'm not a moon watcher then, you know, because just occasionally you watch the moon and it really just give it a cursory look. Oh, it's the moon. Okay. All right. I, I, you know, with all this talk about this new moon, I, I expecting expecting something different. I looked out there, it was just the moon. <laughs> so, Kevin, where did I blow it? <laughs> is Kevin there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, I'm here, Kyle. Good morning, man. Um, uh, well, I, I think that there's a certain type of, uh, yeah, there's a certain type of science, uh, I, <laughs> you know, um, backyard science that um, observes things like um, the supermoon. Because it was a cloud, a cloudy overcast last night, of course, right? So you couldn't see in full effect the moon, but because I'm kind of locked into the moon and lunar type of events such as that, then I'm looking for the moon and it, its effect. So there was like a hue, a different type of hue for the moon last night. And yes, you could almost see blue and maybe that's because mentally I wanted to see blue, but uh, you know, it was definitely a full moon, but it was under a cloud overcast, and as well, it was just a different atmosphere in the air last night. You know, you go to the supermarket, there were lots of people out, and you, you know, and you walk to your door, and there are people with a whole different mindset, a, a different attitude. So it's, it, it can't be, I, I guess, either you get it or you didn't get it, is, is the way I see it. 
that's that's well you you said that it also affected how people uh felt can you explain that for us yes uh uh-huh i'm i'm saying that people would um there were i think there were more smiles i live in southeast washington see and uh you know the legend of southeast washington of course but last night there are people are like hey og what's going on og and uh, there are people smiling, and there were more. It just seemed to be more people out last night as well, and not all of them even realized it was uh, a supermoon. I talked to the um, Chinese cashier and said, "Hey, you know, it's a supermoon tonight. It's the blue moon. It's two moons," and she just looked at me like, "Okay, what does that even mean?" <laughs> <laughs> and and I thought. Now, uh, now, pardon me and pardon my um, characterizing people, but I, I thought that Chinese people were celestial. You, you know what I mean? Totally connected to the there moon. You're going yeah. deep again now. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, because of C.J. Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, I can get deep sometimes. But, but, you, but you know, did, did you're saying that it has an effect. We know it has an effect on the tides. We talk about they have what they call king tides. The tides are rising, and they're rising earlier because of the moon and the pull of the moon. We're getting real scientific here. But for most folks, though, uh, people say that this is when people act kind of off. That once, I don't want to put crazy, but they, they kind of expect people to do, uh, you know, the, 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 their, their behavior is influenced by the, by the new moon. Did you experience that? Well, that, that's what I'm saying, because there were more um, shoppers out last night, uh, cars everywhere, um, you know, dare I say it, more convertible tops down <laughs> last night with the music playing. And uh, it, it, there was just, uh, you know, you don't want to live life based on feelings, of course. You know, I, I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like coming to work. You don't want to, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to live life based on feelings, it, except last night there was a feeling in the atmosphere of people out and about and um, who, and, and as I mentioned to you before, people speaking to me, now, don't get me wrong, I'm a very pleasant guy. And, you know, <laughs> I always walk like I'm happy, right? And uh, But there were people who were like, yeah, man, hey, you, you know, how you doing, OG? And, and it was just a different feeling. And there were more people out. It just seemed like the, there was people there were people everywhere traffic everywhere oh well, maybe this is an energy shift you know but but yeah, you know, one of the yeah because you know we used to have this guy uh, from the meta center out of chicago dr delbert blair he's a metaphysician and and dr b talks about some of the stuff that dr blair used to talk about and he used to explain to us ab- about the moon the different moons and the different attitudes that you could expect from people because the it, the effect of of the moon and the, and the new moon and how you know and, and he would go real real deep into it, it uh, he's he's sorely missed he's one of the guys you used to have on it quite a bit uh, he and he and dick gregory real tight because they would really get into it man you hear these discussions about the moon even about the, the not just the moon but the solar system and he talked about the 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 earth and he talked about the fact that there's a whole society underneath the earth you know there's, there's like highways and bridges and and the people living on, in uh, below the surface of the ground i mean some real deep stuff that was coming from <laughs> dr devil Blair. yeah wow. I, I, and uh, yeah he was he was one of these guys that uh, 
was way he, like he, he told us the world you're gonna he, he told us one of the things I never forget one of the last interviews he's saying the world is getting faster it, 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 it's spinning you know it, it, the world is getting faster it's spinning the days are gonna be much much shorter he talked about global warming before it was even global warming he talked about and people have different energy shifts the people a, a different different people have different energy shifts you know like like you and I and somebody else are on a different platform because our energies don't match you know and and he, he's he says you re you recognize people whose energy who's got negative energy immediately because if you walk around with positive energy you can recognize a person who's got negative energy uh, and you you could probably already do that and he, he was just uh, bringing yeah, out um, those kind of points yeah yeah i i, I uh, admit that uh, i i think i do have a spirit of discernment that's what i call it where you can tell when yeah. people are in a bad mood and uh, yeah and the whole thing that i love to do is how you feeling, right? And uh, it and you can tell where people's heads are when you say that because most people will smile, and while people who are, aren't feeling the vibe tend to uh, share their own vibe. So uh, I'm just saying, last night's energy was there, man. Everybody was electrified, if uh, if I say, or lunatical. How about that? <laughs> but how much of that is that because they know there's a new moon out and they they're responding to what people think they sh they should respond to because of this new moon? Well, no, I believe because we're connected. You know, we're uh, connected to the trends of the world. We're in in media, if you will. We tend to pay attention to things that uh, the average Joe isn't isn't paying attention to. They just live life as as it comes you might hear of the super moon and you go okay whatever you might hear of the blue moon and and not even and think that the person is fantasizing how can the moon be blue because you didn't really see blue last night there was no blue it was just it's called blue because it was the second full moon in the month of august you see and so you know if you say to someone like when i said to the Chinese cashier. It's a blue moon. You know, she just looked at me like, uh, would you like egg roll with that? <laughs> <laughs> but but, but you're holding right, because that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something different, and I didn't see. Uh, but I'm not a moon watcher. Right, exactly. So as you go through life ordinarily, day by day, there was nothing different about last night. However, if you're one of those guys like me, you know, an artist and, you know, kind of looking into the moon and born under the sign of the moon. You're looking for any signs that it was a super moon because the moon was closer to the earth, you know, scientifically speaking, than ever, than ever. And it won't happen again for another 10 years, you see. And so, you know, when you're looking for that, you can see uh, those, well, what is it? And like I said, there was an overcast, cloudy sky last night. So I'm like, wait a minute, how can I tell if it's closer at all? It, but it was a beautiful evening. And the moon, uh, like you said, was full. It was a perfect, perfect circle. And, uh, and the atmosphere, to me, was totally different. Like I said, I live in Southeast, where people are mostly trying to you know, see if you got any change. And I said, you know, 
you can change your paradigm and keep that change. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but, but again, uh, but that's interesting. You said you live in Southeast and, and, and it depends on, you know, we got people listening to all the different parts of the country, different parts of the world. It would, and this is, I guess this would be a question if, if, if uh, Deborah Blair was here, if their interpretation of the new moon is different based on their circumstances or where, where they live or where they see or where they are at that particular time when, when the new moon, the so-called new moon uh, appears. Because for for those of us who are not on that level, the right. deep level that he and Doctor B are on, you know, it's, it's for us, it's just it's just the moon. Yeah. They can tell you, you know, they tell you what to expect from people. You know, this is people are going to be acting kind of strange. They're going to be acting kind of off, but don't get angry with them because it's 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 not their control. It's, it's something else. It's it's controlling their thoughts and 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 their soul. You know, they get they get that deep into it. Right. Well, meanwhile, in in uh, Florida and down south. The hurricane was threatening because of the effects of the moon. And uh, Idalia, the name of the hurricane, uh, I'm, uh -huh. wondering, I'm wondering how that affected people in the South. They don't see it as romantically as I did. They, they weren't looking. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? They weren't looking for the full moon. They weren't looking for the effects. They were looking. Those clouds were ominous to them. And we will find out more as our Florida listeners call in meanwhile um, so it's not always the same for everybody else what about our west coast crowd and yet we know that the super moon was a world effect last night right and, and they they're probably at the west coast folks are probably still looking at it right now and what are they talking about it's just it's just the moon <laughs> you know they, they, they look like me they look at it okay super moon you know, i saw it you know take a picture of it or what do you want to put it on social media but it's it's just the moon. Uh, well, they, they don't see anything different. Well, what if we ask, I guess what if we ask Doctor Walter Williams about it? Why don't we bring him into the conversation? <laughs> yeah, let's let's bring him. Well, I tell you what, we come up on a break. We'll bring uh, Doctor Williams in after the break because it's thirteen minutes after the top. Yeah, we got to take our first look at the uh, traffic and weather in our different cities. Doctor Walter Williams is going to join us momentarily, folks. Doctor Williams is going to tell us about the origin and the history of Judaism. So get you. Uh, Get on your phone right now if you want to got questions about the origin of and the history of Judaism. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Dr. Walter Williams will be here. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour. I guess is Dr. Walter Williams. Dr. Williams is a historian. He's, he's out of Chicago, and he's going to tell us about the origin of the history of Judaism. But Dr. Williams, good morning. Good morning, Carl. Let me ask you this before we get into this, this study of, of Judaism. Did you ever know Dr. Adela Blair, the Meta Center in Chicago, out there where you are? Yeah, he was one of my students. Yeah, I knew Dr. Oh, wow. Blair since he was 13 years old. Wow. Yeah, he lived he, in, he, corner he, from me in Chicago. Yeah. I lived in, uh, in the middle of the block, and he lived on in, in, around the corner uh, uh, on the next street. And uh, wow. he and his mother lived there, and his mother was a school teacher. And so, and Delbert Blair, Blair was, uh, used to come around uh, to my house. Because he 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 was uh, he liked my uh, one of my cousins, so uh, 
and uh, he was he was 13 years old at the time, and uh, wow. I was 16. So, and then we met up years years ago, um, many years ago. He was an adult, and I was an adult, and uh, uh, I met him in High Park, a community in Chicago called High Park, and uh, we greeted each other. And he asked, you know, what are you doing these days? I said, well, I'm doing a little research on religion. And uh, he said, oh, uh, he said, what have you found out? I said, I found out that there's never been a man that ever walked earth in human form of any race, because called by the name of Jesus Christ. And that, that kind of blew him away. So uh, me and Delbert Blair, we went back many, many years ago, you know, in the teenage years. Yes, I knew Delbert yeah. Blair. Right. He was a metaphysician and we was, was talking about the new moon and because he would he would explain to us what what, what it means, because for most of us, just on with the untrained eye, it's just the moon, you know, but the so-called super moon and and the uh, and how it how it, you know, changes your mood. And, and of, of course, it causes the, the, the tides to rise. But he would get really deep on on that. That's what uh, I thought you probably know if you're in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's one, one of my students. All right. Uh, well, we're your students this morning, Dr. Walter Williams, and you're going to explain to us the origin and the history of Judaism. So uh, let's let's start with how did Judaism start? Okay, well, let me tell you a little something. Uh, as you know, I wrote two books. One, The Historical Origin of Christianity. Uh, the thesis is saying that there's never been a man that ever walked earth in human form of any race, could have called by the name of Jesus Christ. That's been out for 30 years, and it's done all over uh, the world, all throughout America, and so forth and so on. And then my second book was called, it's called uh, The Historical Origin of Islam. There's never been a man that ever walked the earth in the form of any race, creed, or color uh, of Islamic tradition by the name of Prophet Muhammad. And people ask me, said, uh, Dr. Williams, since you wrote those two books, when are you coming out? with the historical origin of Judaism. And I kept, you know, telling them, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it and so forth and so on. But what I was trying to do, I was trying to get to the foundation or the origin of Judaism, and I couldn't do it. I kept getting to run around like a rat in a cage, round and round and round and round, and going no places. So I said, well, now something is wrong with this. So I couldn't. For, see, I've been out here, Carl, for 48 years, okay, um, studying, you know, and bringing information to our African community about uh, our history and so forth and so on. So now, this is my 48th year. Last year, my 47th year, it dawned on me, just last year now, I've been looking at this straight in my face, the origin of Judaism. And I, 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 I couldn't, I didn't know what I was looking at. It was so simple that I overlooked it. So let's get into that. Um, the first thing I want everybody to have is a paper and a pen or pencil. Uh, you got yours, Carl? Sure, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, uh, write, uh, write on your paper, Jew, J-E-W, and underline that. 
Okay. And I want you to write that you is a word and a name and not a person or a people. I repeat that. You, underline, is a word and a name and not a person or a people. All okay, right. you got that? Yep. All right, the next word I want you to put down is Israel. Okay. Write Israel down. Underline Israel. And okay. write Israel is a word and a name. And not a person or a land area. Israel is a word and a name. And not a person or a people or a land area. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, I want to bring to your attention this. There's a man by the name of Salomo Sand, S-H-L-O-M-O Sand, S-A-N-D, who teaches at the Tel Aviv University in the illegal state of Israel. Salomo Sand wrote a book in 2006 uh, called The Invention of the Jewish People. And uh, repeat again. Salomo Sam, who teaches at the Tel Aviv or in Tel Aviv uh, University, in the little state of Israel, wrote this book, The Invention of the Jewish People. Now, that means that the Jewish people were invented. When you invent, you cannot invent a people. That means that if you try to invent a people, which is impossible, that means that he's telling the world that there is no such thing as a Jewish people. All right, hold that thought right there, Dr. Williams. Is he still teaching at the university in Tel Aviv right now? Is the Shlomo Sand? Is he still teaching this? Yeah. Well, as I know, I'm going to tell you what happened. He waited until he got his tenure, which when you teach at a university or college, you can, if you, you can get tenure, tenure, tenure after, after uh, 10 years of teaching. So he got, he waited until 10, 10 years was up. And he got his tenure before he came out with that book. So this way they couldn't fire him. They could be mad at him, but they couldn't fire him. So he's teaching, still teaching that, as far as I know. Okay. And um, so uh, 
let, let's move on and go into a little further on the uh, bring you more information as to these two names, Jew and Israel. Now, what is right. the name? Let me just mention this to folks who are just getting up at 30 minutes after the top of the hour. Historian Dr. Walter Williams is here with us this morning, folks. He's giving us a lesson on the origin and the history of Judaism. So, uh, uh, Dr. Williams, continue. So, I'm going to give you where the origin uh, of these two names came from, Jew and Israel. Uh Let's go into the Bible, where you'll find Abraham, and you'll find his wife, his biblical wife, Sarah, and their biblical um, Well, let me ask this before we get into the Bible, because you say the Bible was, was made up. So are you going to use this now as, as a, some sort of a, 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 as a valued document to prove your point? How does that work when you say the the Bible is irrelevant? You even tell people to throw it in the trash. I always tell people to throw it in the trash, but now you got still. You, I still want you to throw it in the trash because because it's garbage. All religions are created by man, and this is Judaism is a man created religion. So I'm breaking down within. Uh, the usage of the Bible to to make my point. You see? Now, uh, I made a point where what Salomo Sand said, who teaches at the Tel Aviv University in the illegal state of Israel, he said that he wrote this book 2006 called The Invention of the Jewish People. He's telling you the same thing. But he's telling it to you in a a, a, a one-sentence word or one-sentence statement. I'm breaking it down to you whereby you can understand all the components of this lie. It's a lie. All religions are created by man to control man's thinking and to control man's action. So therefore, uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm using the Bible to break this down so you can really further understand really what I'm talking about. So that's why you don't have to use this Bible. You can, I right. still want you to take the Bible and throw it in the garbage. I still want people to not be uh, religious, religiously involved or bring religion into their life because is created by man to control your thinking and your actions. So therefore, you don't need anything to control your thinking and your actions because you are a, a developed, supposedly human being, and you can think for yourself. Right. right. And hold that thought right there, uh, Dr. Williams, because we've got to take a short break here. I'll let you come back and expound on the origin and the history of Judaism. Folks, you're in for a lesson today. Our guest is Dr. Walter Williams. He's a historian. He's going to break it down for us after we take our first look at the news, traffic and weather in our different cities. 26 minutes away from the top of the hour. We'll be back in four minutes. So if you've got questions, reach out to us at 800 450 
7876, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour. Our guest is Dr. Walter Williams. Dr. Williams is a historian. He's, he's out of Chicago, and he's going to tell us about the origin of the history of Judaism. But Dr. Williams, good morning. Good morning, Carl. Let me ask you this before we get into this, this study of, of Judaism. Did you ever know Dr. Adela Blair, the Meta Center in Chicago, out there where you are? Yeah, he was one of my students. Yeah, I knew Dr. Oh, wow. Adela Blair since he was 13 years old. Wow. He, he yeah, lived he, in, he, in Chicago. Yeah. I lived in, uh, in the middle of the block, and he lived on... And, and around the corner, uh, uh, on the next street, and uh, wow. he and his mother lived there. And his mother was a school teacher, and so and Delbert Blair, Blair was uh, used to come around uh, to my house because he 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 was uh, he liked my uh, one of my cousins, so. Uh, <laughs> And uh, he was he was 13 years old at the time, and uh, I was 16. So and then we met up years years ago, um, many years ago. He was an adult and I was an adult, and uh, uh, I met him in High Park, a community in Chicago called High Park, and uh, we greeted each other. And he asked, you know, what are you doing these days? I said, well. I'm doing a little research on religion. And uh, he said, oh, uh, he said, what have you found out? I said, I found out that there's never been a man that ever walked earth in human form of any race, creature, color by the name of Jesus Christ. And that, that kind of blew him away. So uh, me and Delbert Blair, we went back many, many years ago, you know, in the teenage years. Yes, I knew Delbert yeah. Blair. Right. He was a metaphysician, and we was, was talking about the new moon, because he would he would explain to us what, what, what it means. Because for most of us, just on with the untrained eye, it's just the moon, you know, but the so-called super moon and, and, the, uh, and how, it, how it, you know, changes your mood. And, and of, of course, it causes the, the, the tides to rise. But he would get really deep on, on that. That's what, uh, I thought you'd probably know if you're in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's one, one of my students. All right. Uh, well, we're your students this morning, Dr. Walter Williams, and you're going to explain to us the origin and the history of Judaism. So uh, let's let's start with how did Judaism start? Okay, well, let me tell you a little something. Uh, as you know, I wrote two books. One, The Historical Origin of Christianity. Uh, the thesis is saying that there has never been a man that ever walked earth in human form of any race, could have called by the name of Jesus Christ. That's been out for 30 years, and it's done all over uh, the world, all throughout America, and so forth and so on. And then my second book was called, it's called uh, The Historical Origin of Islam. There's never been a man that ever walked earth in the form of any race, creed, or color uh, of Islamic tradition by the name of Prophet Muhammad. And people ask me, said, uh, Dr. Williams, since you wrote those two books, when are you coming out? with the historical origin of Judaism. And I kept, you know, telling them, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it and so forth and so on. But what I was trying to do, 
I was trying to get to the foundation or the origin of Judaism, and I couldn't do it. I kept getting to run around like a rat in a cage, round and round and round and round, and going no places. So I said, well, now something is wrong with this. So I couldn't for, see, I've been out here, Carl, for 48 years, okay, um, studying, you know, and bringing information to our African community about uh, our history and so forth and so on. So now, this is my 48th year. Last year, my 47th year, it dawned on me, just last year now, I've been looking at this straight in my face, the origin of Judaism, and I I, I, I couldn't, I didn't know what I was looking at. It was so simple that I overlooked it. So let's get into that. Um, the first thing I want everybody to have is a paper and a pen or pencil. Uh, you got yours, Carl? Sure, I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Now, uh, write, uh, write on your paper, Jew, J-E-W, and underline that. Okay. And I want you to write that Jew is a word and a name and not... We're- a person or a people. I'll repeat that. Jew, underline, is a word and a name and not a person or a people. All okay, right. you got that? Yeah. All right, the next word I want you to put down is Israel. Write Israel down. Underline Israel. And write Israel is a word and a name and not a person or a land area. Israel is a word and a name and not a person or a people or a land area. Got it. Got it. Okay. Now, I want to bring to your attention this. There's a man by the name of Salomo Sand, S-H-L-O-M-O Sand, S-A-N-D, who teaches at the Tel Aviv University in the illegal state of Israel. Salomo Sand wrote a book in 2006 uh, called The Invention of the Jewish People. And uh, repeat again. Salomo Sam, who teaches at the Tel Aviv 
or in Tel Aviv uh, University in the little state of Israel wrote this book, The Invention of the Jewish People. Now, that means that the Jewish people were invented. When you invent it, you cannot invent a people. That means that if you invent, try to invent a people, which is impossible, that means that he's telling the world that there is no such thing as a Jewish people. All right, hold that thought right there, Dr. Williams. Is he still teaching at the university in Tel Aviv right now? Is the Shlomo Sand? Is he still teaching this? Yeah. Well, I know. I'm going to tell you what happened. He waited until he got his tenure, which when you teach at a university or college, you can, if you, you can get tenure, tenure, tenure after, after uh, 10 years of teaching. So he got, he waited until 10, 10 years was up. And he got his tenure before he came out with that book. So this way they couldn't fire him. They could be mad at him, but they couldn't fire him. So he's teaching, still teaching that, as far as I know. Okay. And um, so uh, let, let's move on and go into a little further on the uh bring you more information as to these two names, Jew and Israel. Now, what is right. the name? Let me just mention this to folks who are just getting up at 30 minutes after the top of the hour. Historian Dr. Walter Williams is here with us this morning, folks. He's giving us a lesson on the origin and the history of Judaism. So, uh, uh, Dr. Williams, continue. So, I'm going to give you where the origin uh, of these two names came from Jew and Israel. Uh, let's go into the Bible where you find Abraham and you find his wife, his biblical wife, Sarah, and their biblical um, well, well, let me ask this before we get into the Bible, because you say the Bible was, was made up. So are you going to use this now as, as a, some sort of a, 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 as a valued document to prove your point? It, it, how does that work when you say the, the, the Bible is irrelevant? You, you even tell people to throw it in the trash. I, I always tell people to throw it in the trash. But now you got still, you, I still want you to throw it in the trash because it's garbage. All religions are created by man. And this is, Judaism is a man-created religion. So I'm breaking down within uh, the usage of the Bible to, to make my point. You see? Now, uh, I made the point where what Solomon Sand said, who teaches at the Tel Aviv University in the illegal state of Israel, he said that he wrote this book, 2006, called The Invention of the Jewish People. He's telling you the same thing. But he's telling it to you in a, 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 a one-sentence word or one-sentence statement. I'm breaking it down to you whereby you can understand all the components of this lie. It's a lie. All religions are created by man to 
control man's thinking and to control man's action. So therefore, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm using the Bible to break this down so you can really further understand really what I'm talking about. So that's why you don't have to use this Bible. You mean, uh-huh. I still want you to take the Bible and throw it in the garbage. I still want people to not be uh, religious, religiously involved or bring religion into their life because it's created by man to control your thinking and your actions. So therefore, you don't need anything to control your thinking and your actions because you are a, a developed, supposedly human being, and you can think for yourself. Right. right. And hold that thought right there, uh, Dr. Williams, because we've got to take a short break here. I'll let you come back and expound on the origin and the history of Judaism. Folks, you're in for a lesson today. Our guest is Dr. Walter Williams. He's a historian. He's going to break it down for us after we take our first look at the news, traffic and weather in our different cities. 26 minutes away from the top of the hour. We'll be back in four minutes. So if you've got questions, reach out to us at 800 450 7876, and we'll take your phone calls in four minutes here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. Minute after top of the hour, our guest, uh, Dr. Walter Williams. Uh, apologize for that brief interruption there. Dr. Williams is discussing the origin and history of Judaism. And, and Dr. Williams, before the break, I, uh, you know, I had a question for one of our listeners to call or uh, text me this and says, "How are you discussing?" It's grammatically incorrect, but how is you discussing Judaism relevant to black people? That's what. The, before you go into explaining the origin and history of Judaism, they want to know how is this going to help us. Well, here, uh, first place, I'm not through narrating, um, and I would like, you know, for the questions to be held until after I get through, then I'll go back and answer okay. that. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, let's, let's continue then. The origin and the history of Judaism. Right. So now everybody wrote down Jew and Israel. Now let's go back and use the Bible to come up to the points and the places where I want to bring the listening audience. And that is starting with Abraham uh, and his wife, Sarah, and their son, Isaac, and his son, Jacob. See, which Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and the grandson of Sarah. This is all biblical mythology. That's all it is. Okay? Now, Jacob has an alias. His alias is Israel. That's his alias. The 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes is called Judah. And that's where the word Jew, J-E-W, comes from. Because they said Jesus the Christ was a Jew. So that's where Jew comes from, from the alias of Jacob being uh, 
named and called Israel. So from the 12 tribes of Israel comes one of the tribes as being Judah. And that's where the word Jew comes from. Okay? And uh, by his alias, uh, Jacob's alias as Israel, that's where Israel comes from. So now you have the origin of the two names, Jew and Israel, all biblical whatsoever. Now, uh, there's a rabbi by the name of S. David Sperling, S-P-E-R-L-I-N-G, who teaches at the Hebrew Union College in New York City. He wrote a book 23 years ago called The Original Torah. In The Original Torah, he says there's never been an Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Sarah, Gideon, Esau, David, or Solomon, or a Joshua. He said those names never existed. See? So um, then he went on to say that uh, he is compelled to read the Torah allegorically because it cannot be read historically. So he's telling you that these names, which are biblical names, uh, never existed. Uh, also, he's telling you that the Torah um, cannot be uh, used as as, 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 as as biblical or Torahic literature. It can't do that because it's, 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 it's not possible uh, to take a document and try to define that document as being something of substance. He's telling you that. Okay, now, let's go to the next point. Where did all this start with? It started with a group uh, that originated in Paris, France, called the AIU, Alliance Israelite Universal of Paris, France. The AIU. The AIU is a, is a Zionist organization. They they organized in 1860 as an organization. So and, 18... and hold up the right there, Dr. Williams, because you mentioned the word Zionist, and we keep hearing that. Is that a pejorative? Is that like saying the N-word to Jewish people, or, or is it not? No, no, no. No, that's Part of their part of their makeup, they're part of their life is Zionism. You see, um, the Zionist Israelis, they say. So that's part of their uh, group, their name that's attached to them at this very moment. They're Zionists. So this Zionist group, the AIU Alliance Israelite Universal of Paris, France, organized in 1860, said that they were the Jew of the Bible. So they decided to make themselves the Jew of the Bible, 1860. 
And they wrote a book called The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. I'm, I'm sure that you and and the, a lot of members of the listening audience have heard of that book, The Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. If you get that book, in that book, you they have a chapter in that book about the AIU, Alliance Israelite Universal Parish France. Now, they claim that that book has own author. They don't know who wrote that book, but I'll tell you who wrote that book. The, the AIU wrote it, Alliance Israelite Universal of Paris France. The, the, the protocol of the learned elders of Zion is telling non-Zionists how to treat the general public or other races of people. Okay. Well, I'm so, I'm sort of confused here on, on on the Zionist issue. Are all Jews Zionist, or all or you have some Jews who are not Zionist? Then, because some people say, think that when you call a Jewish person a Zionist, it, it, it it's an insult. But you say it's it's not so. So help us out here. Are they are all Jews Zionist, or only some Zionist, or like like some people are in our community, some are ends and some aren't? Is that how it works? Well, see here you you have uh, the base foundation. Started with Zionism. See, I'm giving you the, the root foundation of the religion uh, called Judaism. Now they have different sects, S-E-C-T, uh, among themselves. Okay, they may be um, uh, a different Zionist by way of name, naming themselves such. You know. Um, so it's according to the sect that they belong to, or but they end up still being Zionists. That's what's over there today in the illegal state of Israel, those Zionists over there today controlling uh, the country. So um, let's move on in, into the next section. Um, once they declared themselves, the AIU Alliance, Israelite Universal of Paris, France, declared themselves as being the Jew of the Bible. Okay. And uh, they set themselves up to do just that. Now, here's the problem. Even though they set themselves up to be the Jew of the Bible, they have no land area. So now, here come World War One. I'll take you to another section of this saga. World War One was fought from uh, started in 1914 and ended in in, in 1918, 1914, 1918. In um, 1917. Uh, oh, by the way, that war was. Uh, World War I, 1914, 1918, was caused by the Germans being over in Northeast Africa, today called the Middle East, uh, helping the Ottoman Turks who uh, were in power at that time, the Ottoman Empire, helping them set up a railroad system. And the British 
and the Americans didn't want the Germans over there and uh, with all that oil being over there in that region, that they would, let's say, you know, build a railroad for uh, the Ottoman Turks. And they would ask for favors concerning that oil, all that oil reserves over there. So in 1917, uh, uh, Walter Lionel Rothschild, a member of the British Parliament, bought a chemist who lived in Mansfield, England. His name was Cam Weissman. And Walter Lionel Rothschild told the British Parliament that this uh, Cam Weissman, the chemist from Mansfield, England, could make them a chemical bomb that will end the war and, and defeat and bring down the Ottoman uh, Empire and Turks and run the Germans out of that area of Northeast Africa that they call the Middle East. So, in 19... Right, and hold that thought right there, uh, Dr. Williams. We've got to take a short break here. We've got to check the traffic and weather again. When we come back, though, it, 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 uh, explain to us, because I understand that they were once considered going into Uganda uh, to create the state of Israel, if, if that maybe maybe I'm wrong, if you can expound on that too, because I've heard that conversation talked about as well. Folks, you just join us. I guess this historian, Dr. Walter Williams, explaining the origin and the history of Judaism. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. To speak to Dr. Williams, your calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. 20 minutes south at the top of the hour with our guest historian, Dr. Walter Williams, who's giving us the origin and the history of Judaism. And Dr. Williams, before we left, you, you mentioned that they carved out a section of, of North, uh, Northeast Africa, or is it Northwest Africa, the top of Africa, and, and, and created the state of Israel. So and my question to you after you said that was, did they uh, one time consider placing the state of Israel in Uganda? Yes, that's so. Uh, uh that was offered to the Zionist Jews when they first came on the scene that demanding land uh, so they can create a state of, uh, of Israel. But uh, the, the Zionists turned that down. They wanted to be close to uh, Egypt, you know, where, where, where there is something of a similar uh, of uh, credibility to their lie, because all religions are based off of uh, lies. Uh, you know, man-made created uh, religion. So uh, that's the reason why they turned down Uganda. They wanted to be close to uh, Egypt. See? So that's what happened. So now. Getting back to um, World War One, uh, 
again, I mentioned that Walter Lionel Rothschild, a member of the British Parliament, uh, bought before the British Parliament a, a chemist from Mansfield, England, by the name of Cam Weissman. And uh, Walter Lionel Rothschild told the British Parliament, which he was a member of, that Cam Weissman could make them a chemical bomb to end World War uh, One. So it was agreed upon that after winning World War One, that these Zionists would be given a portion of Palestine to develop a homeland for their religion. And a member of the British Parliament, a man by the name of James Arthur Balfour, B-A-L-F-O-U-R, created a document that is known today in history as the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration promised to give the Zionists a part of Palestine to make a homeland and also an equal part to of the Palestinians that, 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 that are living over there today. Equal land of that one land called uh, Palestine. Palestine uh, consists of 10,434 square miles. And they, the Belfort Declaration uh, each uh, group was going to get half of that, of that land. So anyway, uh, Cam Weissman made the bomb, ended the war, and, um, and, and, and from that point, the, the British government, even though they had created this document called the Belfort Declaration, described to be used, like I just described to you, reneged on that uh, Belfort Declaration. They did not keep their word according to the agreement in the Belfort Declaration. Um, so the Zionist Jews got frustrated. And in 1940, a man by the name of Abram Stern created a gang called the Stern Gang. That Stern Gang blew up the King David Hotel in Jerusalem. The Stern Gang killed two British agents in protest. All this was in protest of them not uh, being uh, truthful about initiating the Belfort Declaration. So now, this brought uh, for the next section. 
uh, after that happened, the killing and the bombing of the King David Hotel and the killing of the two British agents. We go back to the UN now. Here, the United States of America and Great and the British government brought the same Cam Weissman back to the UN. And they asked the UN, sitting in New York, the UN is in New York today, same UN, to give Cam Weissman and his Zionist group a portion of Palestine to make a statehood. In the meantime, before this happened, the Zionists had created a language, a dialect, because if you go wherever you live, you've got to have a spoken language or you have to speak some, speak some type of language that you can communicate with or be identified with your group. And that language and dialect was Yiddish, because as you know, uh, people are, are identified with land, language, and culture, no matter what name you call yourself. So they created this, 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 in 1922, they created a dialect called Yiddish, okay? Now, let's see what's going to happen to Yiddish. When it was agreed upon with the UN to give Cam Weissman and his group a part of Palestine. That was in 1947. Now, mind you, in 1947, guess what they found? All of a sudden, they found what is known as a Dead Sea Scrolls. They tried to authenticate that there were Jews human Jews on earth, okay? But the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, is a European fake. I mean, I lecture on that uh, many times, but anyway, we won't, we won't go into that. Uh, so, uh, so once in 1948, the, the dream of the Zionists was accomplished. The UN assigned a portion of Palestine to the Zionists to make a statehood. They gave them a certain area in Palestine, and at the end of that certain area of, of, of Palestine, they called it, here, I'll give you this amount of land, and you have to stop it at the green line. Okay? So now, uh, so once that happened, the illegal state of Israel was established. So instead of calling the dialect or using the dialect uh, called Yiddish, they changed the name of Yiddish to Hebrew. So now they, they're speaking Hebrew, biblical Hebrew. See? So 
And then they began and, and hold to... Hold that thought right there, uh, uh, Dr. Williams. Let me just inform people. It's 30 minutes after the top of the hour. I guess it's Dr. Walter Williams discussing the origin and the history of Judaism. Those of you who heard him before, he's just done it with Christianity. He's done it with Islam as well. And, and his, his contention is that the, all of these religions are man-made and they all used to control control our minds. But anyway, Dr. Williams, I'll let you continue. You, you told us that they converted uh, Yiddish into Hebrew. So I'll pick, you can pick it up from there. Yeah, so now they instead of being called Yiddish, they call it Hebrew. If you coincide with the Bible, the Hebrews of the Bible, you see. So now, then they begin to uh, confiscate, destroy, and burn all Yiddish literature, papers, newspapers, books, magazines, plays. Anything with Yiddish on it, it, it begins to just, just destroy it. Okay, wipe it off and get it out of the people's mind. And they call it Hebrew. And that's what they're calling themselves speaking today over there in the illegal state of Israel. It's just Hebrew. And, and Cam Weissman became the first president of the illegal state of Israel. And then uh, there was a prime minister by the name of David Green called and changed his name to David Ben-Gurion. See, when you, when you go over and, and, and be a resident of the illegal state of Israel, they want you to change your name like they're doing over like Benjamin Netanyahu. That's not his name. That's not his birth name. But he, had, he changed that name to, to correspond with uh, the ideas of Zionism. You see? Oh. And is the same goes for Golda Meir? Because there's a movie or a documentary coming out about Golda Meir, and there's some contention because the the the, the, lead, the person who has the, the, the role is not Jewish, and, and some Jewish people are upset about that. But Golda Meir, was that her original name as well, Dr. Williams? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. No, I was going, I was, I was my next step. Then uh, uh, David Ben-Gurion, uh, his, his, uh, his, his birth name was David Green, changed it to David Ben-Gurion, uh, had a a associated partner by the name of Golda Maklovich, and she changed her name to Golda Maia. See? So uh, that gives you a, a, a rundown on the history and origin of, of, of Judaism. 
And so today, like I said, Palestine uh, consists of 10,434 square miles. Today, as I speak, the Israelis control over 90% of that mileage. So... Yeah, hold that thought right there. We've got to take another quick break here, Dr. Williams. Tell us how, for such a small group of people, they become so influential, not just here, but worldwide. They become so influential, and, and, the, and, and this is a small group of them. How, how did that happen? Because, you know, people say that's biblical. Uh, they, they're God's chosen people, as some people say. Even black ministers are saying that. So if you can explain that to us, we'd appreciate it. As I mentioned, we've got to step aside and get caught up with the latest news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. It's 26 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest historian, Dr. Walter Williams. And most of you know, he says, all, not just Judaism, but all all religions are man-made and used to control our minds. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes. Right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. Twin minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest historian, Dr. Walter Williams. We're discussing the origin and the history of Judaism. Later this morning, we're going to close out our Black August with uh, Neely Fuller Jr. Most of you know his saying. Mr. Fuller always says, we're going to talk about racism and white supremacy, of course. And, you know, his, his old saying that if you don't understand how the system, the system of racism and white supremacy works and all that it entails, then everything else that you think you understand will only serve to confuse you. And tomorrow, of course, is Friday, so we can, uh, we're going to do another edition of Open Forum Friday. Free mind and reach out to us. We start promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Let's go back to Dr. Williams uh, giving a course, a course on Judaism. And so for some, some people, this, this is like the third rail of, of, you know, having the discussions. You shouldn't talk about those folks. They've got, they got too much power. This is why I'm asking uh, Dr. Walter Williams, how did they amass that power? If, you can, if, if I'm too far ahead of where you're taking us, you can pick that up later when you reach it. But please inform the audience how, how they have so much influence all over the world. Because of money, M-O-N-E-Y. And that money is coming from London, England, from the crookedest street in the world called Lombard Street, where all the banking houses are. They financed uh, this man-made, created religion called Judaism. They did it. Money and the and the powerful uh, money brokers of America also uh, uh, chimed in on that. So that's how they sustained themselves uh, back then. That's how they got started back then. That's how they sustained themselves today, as I speak. So that's my answer to you, Carl. Yeah, because you know people are wondering that because they if they have. Uh... They have influence, every, especially in, in the entertainment, in the banking, just about everything they got their hands in. But, but they work together. It's something that black people can learn to, to do, too, to adopt uh, what they do. They work together. They take care of themselves first. But, uh, uh, Dr. Williams, uh, you mentioned the, about Uganda. The, they had considered Uganda. You said it was because they wanted it – was, it wasn't because Uganda was too far or too deep in Africa or too black. That wasn't the reason 
they rejected moving, putting the, the state of Israel in Uganda or giving them part of Uganda. Instead, they gave him part of Palestine. Well, that's, yeah, it's too, too far down south in uh, Africa. And, uh, and, the, and they had nothing down there that, that could associate uh, themselves with in order to get the lie successfully uh, in the eyes of the public the general public. So they had to get close to something of reality, which is Egypt. And that's where they settled uh, in Palestine. And then... So let me get this interrupt and ask you this, and get this right, because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what you're saying here. 16 away from the top there, by the way, family. You're saying they used the Bible and crafted a religion and a group and a territory uh, to 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 frame what was in the Bible to reflect on 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 what they what they uh, created. Yeah, see, they used the Bible to do that to sustain themselves. See, the, the masses of people all over the world uh, have been indoctrinated in this Bible, so they know that people believe this stuff. See, all religions are based off of belief. So if you believe one religion then you believe another religion, and then so forth and so on. But uh, they wanted to be close to something, a reality, of other biblical stories. And the other biblical stories does not uh, center or start down in Uganda. You see, it's up in uh, the East uh, and with Egypt. And around, well, well, let me jump uh, in and ask you another question, though, because you're saying there's no man or person as named Jesus the Christ or Muhammad the Prophet who walked on the face of the earth. Who is the equivalent for the Judaism? Who, who what, what leader do they do they consider their leader? And, and did that person, or did they use the Bible to to say that that person was here on this on this planet? You said, who they use as a leader? Yeah, just like the Christians say Jesus was their leader, and you say there's no person by that name, Jesus the Christ, who walked on this face of the, this earth, and um, the same thing for Muhammad the prophet, for the Islam. So who is the leader for, for the for the folks who, uh, who believe in Judaism? Or uh, Israel? Abraham, you got to start with Abraham. Okay. You got to start with Sarah. Abraham's wife, Sarah. And then you got to start off with their son, uh, uh, Isaac. Then you got to start off with his son, Jacob. All this is biblical. So they already got you set up because you're a believer in the first place. See? So all they got to do is make it real to you. Okay? That's the general idea. To make it real to you, the believer. See? So if they can make it real to you, then they can pull off this hoax, which they have pulled off on the whole world thus far. But when you go and investigate like I did, then you'll find out what's happening with this hoax. And I found out the key to unraveling the hoax. You see? So uh, that's what I have to say about that, Carl. 
Well, well, you know what, Dr. Williams, 13 away from the top of the there may be something to it because people are, they're saying less people are now going to church, going to the mosque, going to the synagogue. I don't know how they say they you know, claim what the reason is, but this, especially the young people, they're being more aware. And for young blacks, they're being, they call it spirituality. We're moving into a spiritual mode. Uh, do you see this as, as some sort of an awakening on the part of, of people when it comes to re- religion? Yes. And I'm at the forefront of all of that. People, I get emails, I get phone calls, I get correspondence from all over America and all in Europe and, and, and Africa, everywhere, telling me, Dr. Williams, I've seen your, uh, your videos on YouTube. I read your books, and you have opened my eyes up. You have saved my life. And I used to believe in all of that, you know. So, Walter, you, you credit Walter Williams with that. Right. And, and, and they say it's, it's a gradual change. People are moving away from religion. Pardon me. Okay. I'll let you say what you're saying. Go ahead. Now, I was just saying that they're saying that it's a gradual move uh, against organized religion. Right. See, so it's happening every day. People are getting away from that. See? Oh, Carl, we're coming up on the uh, top of the hour. Uh, I, I need to give my books and... And, okay, uh, we, we still got a few more. We still got a few more minutes. I'll, I'll let you give out that. But in, during your research, when you you did the first, uh, uh, you talked about Christianity. Then you talked about Islam. Now you're talking about Judaism. So far, which which religious group has, has pushed back more of what you you on your research? Is it the Christians, the, the Muslims, the, or, or the uh, the people who support Judaism? I, 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 the first group I would say would be the Christians. And then uh, it follows second. And then then they are confused about Judaism. So that's the reason why I came in and I really studied about this Judaism. And that's what I presented today on, on the program. So I would say Christianity and Islam are the main two. Uh, that the people are beginning to wake up to. Because you cannot... See, religion, Carl, all religion gives you side effects. Now, when you go to the doctor with an ailment, the doctor is going to prescribe a prescription of medicine, of drugs, for you to take to eliminate uh, your ill, your ailment. And you know, well, let me jump in here. Yeah, we got 10 minutes away from the top there. You know, one of the things I find interesting, Dr. Williams, so when you first started out, I remember your first book about, about Christianity, and I know the, 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 the uh, Islamic followers, they, they were laughing and pointing their finger and said, yeah, Christianity is a fake. It's all. And then you came out with a book that said basically the same thing about Islam. And there was there was a silence from their side for for the most part. There were some people who were objected and said that the Prophet Muhammad did walk on the face of this earth, but they they still don't have any proof. So, what kind of proof would you would look for if people say, "Yeah, Jesus the Christ," and not and you tell them that you got to use facts, you got to use history, you can't use what you believe. Uh, 
So how can they prove, how can they disprove your, your, your fact that a person named Jesus Christ or Muhammad the prophet or Abraham uh, walked on the face of this earth? How can they, they disprove just, what you claim? They can't disprove that, uh, Carl, because I have a, an award to give to anybody that's been raised Peter Carl, including the Pope, including the Imam, to bring proof to me that a um, Jesus the Christ, a prophet Muhammad, walks this earth as human beings. If you can prove that by using the discipline of history, not what you think and not what you believe, use the discipline of history and show me and prove to me way of using the discipline of history and facts, I will give you $10,000. And if you can't do it, you can know somebody that can do it. Go and get them. I'll give them the $10,000. I'll give you a $5,000 finder's fee. Can't be done. Impossible. And how how long have you you put that offer on the table? I've known you for quite a bit, and it's been there. How long, though, have you, have you offered that money? Well, Carl, you and I have been... Uh, I've been on your shows when you was in California, and now you're on this uh, particular network. So uh, I would say 30 years. That's how long you and I go back to, 30 years ago. So from 30 years ago, I've offered this, started off as a $5 award. So now uh, it's up to $10,000. If you can find someone or know someone, or if you can do it yourself using the discipline of history and not your belief, and prove that a prophet Muhammad or Jesus the Christ walked this earth as, as a human being. Remember, I told you at the, in my course of narrating this show this morning that. A man by the name of S. David Sterling wrote a book, 2000, uh, oh, I'm sorry, 23, 23 years ago in 2000. And uh, he wrote this book called The Original Torah. He teaches at the Hebrew Union College in New York City. And he wrote this book called The Original Torah 23 years ago. He said, there's never been an Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Sarah, Gideon, Esau, David, Solomon, or, or, or a Joshua. So those names never existed. Right. Uh, and hold the thought right there, Dr. Benz. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, though, I'll let you tell folks how they can get your books. And if they want to take you up on, on your challenge, if they can prove that a man named Jesus the Christ or Muhammad the prophet actually walked on the face of this earth, the money's there. So I'll let you give out all that information after we get back from the traffic and weather update and the news in Baltimore. Folks, you too can join us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 4. 1450 WOL for information is power. Keep
And good morning again, family. Minute after the top of the hour, momentarily we're speaking with Neely Fuller Jr. But right now, let's wrap up with uh, Dr. Walter Williams. Dr. Williams, I got a tweet question for you, and this is this is coming from Keith. Keith's, uh, Keith's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Carolina so I think Keith, uh, Keith uh, survived uh, yesterday's storm or hurricane when he got to Myrtle Beach. But Keith's question for you, uh, Dr. Williams, is: Please ask Dr. Williams, does he believe in God? Just not the one they tell us about, but the one who created the, the heavens and the earth. Well, I don't believe in uh, God, uh, so to speak, okay? First place, I believe in Walter Williams. I'm not, I'm not God, but I'm a God to my daughter. You have to understand the word God. The word God is, is stretched out in people's minds as an abstract, Okay? God is an abstract idea that needs human spirituality to give it life. So now I will ask you, what God are you talking about that I, that you're asking me, do I believe in? Um, so... God well, well, let me jump in here because we're racing the clock. I think he, he he's implying that do you believe that some a, a superhuman being or somebody created the earth, the water, the, the moon, the stars, and all of that, and this planet? No, no, no superhuman being can do that. You know, uh, the 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 nature or creation is too complicated for a. A, a, a deity or a gender to create. It's too complicated. So I would say no. Um, so who, who created the, the, the planet then? Who created the earth? Who, who creates the rain? Who creates the... Who, who's, who, who's responsible for us being here on this planet other than our parents? Okay, let me break that down, Carl. The question is, what created the, the sky... The planets, the stars, the moon, the sun, air, earth, water, vegetation, animals, and humanity. The answer to that is that no human can give you an answer for that. Because the answer would be, it's a mystery of life. No matter what uh, station in life that the human may hold, or how much education, or how much money they have, they can't give you that answer, and I'm going to tell you why. That that answer cannot be given by no human on earth. And that, that is still a mystery of life. Now, the next question is, what created, what created the first man and the first woman on earth? The answer to that is, don't know. That's the mystery of life. No human can tell you what created the first man and the first woman on earth. Can't tell you that. The third question is that when a person is deceased, where does the deceased person, where do their spirit go after death? That's the mystery of life also. No human can tell you that. Uh, that's no matter what station in life they hold, how much money they have, and how much education they have, they can't tell you that. I'm going to tell you why that you can't answer those questions. No human can answer any of those three questions. No human on earth 
can tell you how they individually got here on earth as a human being. Can't tell you that. No human on earth can tell you uh, what happens during the nine months of incubation in your mother's body after your father and mother had a sexual intercourse. And your father released his sperm, and your mother's egg received that sperm, incubated that sperm for nine months. So therefore, during that time of incubation, you cannot tell me when your eyes came into being, your your toes, your feet, your legs, your arms, your fingers, none of that. The only thing you know that at the end of nine months, you came up as a baby, a human being, attached to your mother's umbilical cord. And when that umbilical cord was cut, uh, yeah, we get that, but but hold on, Doctor Williams, because uh, we got uh, Neely Fuller Jr. standing by, and Charlie has a quick question out of Frederick, Maryland, for you. Charlie, can you make that question quick for Doctor Williams? Charlie's online too. I'm not hearing Charlie, so we're gonna keep moving. Uh, 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 Doctor Williams, can you tell folks how can they get copies of your book? Okay, can I talk about just give a brief question to my new book that's coming out? This fall. Go ahead, real quick. Okay. I have a new book coming out in a matter of months. Uh, target date is this fall of this year. It's called Dispelling Myths of Ancient Egypt. And in this book, uh, I'm giving you a lot of information, lots of information. And I uh, urge the people in the listening audience to look for that book, new book. But but in the meantime, I have my two books, Historical Origin of Christianity, Historical Origin of Islam. You can go to Amazon and purchase those two books. And if you want to contact me, you can contact me by uh, 773-947-8662, and I'll be glad to talk to you, and we can further our conversation. So, All right, let's see if Charlie's so there real quick. Charlie, you there online, too? Charlie's not there, Kevin. All right. Uh, uh, thank you, Dr. Williams. And, and again, uh, thank you for sharing this information because what you do, you make people think. Again, uh, people who will support these different religions, as you said, they're all man-made. And, and so are a belief system. Either you believe that, you know, that's why the Christians call themselves believers because it's what you believe. If you don't believe, you're not a believer. And, uh, you know, and then they'll tell you they try to scare you and say you're going to hell if you don't believe. But anyway, I thank you for sharing your thoughts with us and, and, and for being so candid and brave about it, because a lot of people don't want to discuss this subject, Dr. Williams. Well, a lot of people don't know the subject. I didn't know this subject that, that I narrated uh, this, this morning on your show until, you know, I found out last year. I've been here for 48 years, you see. And uh, it just dawned on me uh, uh, about the origin of Judaism because people ask me, you wrote two books, Christianity and Islam, when are you going to write uh, the history or historical origin of Judaism? I couldn't do it. And what I presented on the show this morning is not uh, anti-Semitic and all that kind of stuff. No, this has nothing to do with that. Uh, these Jews out there listening, uh, you know, 
to, to what I'm saying. No, it has just nothing to do with no anti-Semitic, none, none of that stuff. It has something to do with uh, true human history using uh, the Bible and other means to bring this information out. It is. Right. So now, it's, it's I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because some, some people would take it as being anti-Semitic because everything that, that doesn't come on, on a positive spin when you speak about Israel or Jewish people, it, it, it's anti-Semitic. But I'm, I'm glad you clarified that that's not what, that was not your intent. No, that's not my intent to do that. My intent was to find the origin of Judaism. And I, I, I found it. So therefore, I didn't, you didn't hear me criticize Jews, say they, they were this way and that way and stuff like that. No, I don't do that. Okay? So don't accuse me of being anti-anything. Okay? I am a historian. I bring to our African community uh, subjects that my people in the African community ask me about. They've been asking me about, I've been out here for 48 years. They've been asking me about, when are you going to write the historical origin of Judaism? What, you know, so uh, I found the answer last year, and this is what I'm bringing to our African community. Nothing about no, I talk no hate or anything against no Jews or anything like that. I don't deal with right, that. All right. okay? And, and and thank you for clarifying that, Doctor. And we're gonna let you go. We gotta move on though. Eleven after the top of the hour. Thanks for the information that you shared with us this morning, though. All right, folks. We gotta step up. Thank you. Uh, that was Hello. all righty. Doctor Walter Williams out of Chicago. Uh, let's go to Neely Fuller Jr. Neely Fuller Jr. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm still learning. And it's good to hear you say that because you know many of us think we already know. Well, we don't. We we don't want to hear any information because we we know it all. But whenever I talk to you, you'll say we're still learning. We're going to talk about racism, white supremacy. And before we get into it, though, is racism the same thing as white supremacy? Can you define that Absolutely. for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. The answer is Ra yes. According racism to is white supremacy. It means this, if you, it means a system of government where people mistreat people, the most powerful people in that system of government, mistreat people and dominate people based on color. And you have a system, a global system, of people who do that. And they are described collectively as the system of white supremacy, which is racism. Racism is white supremacy. White supremacy is racism. And it means to dominate and mistreat people based on the skin color of those people who, will right. be, who are assigned to be dominated and mistreated. Uh, hold that thought right there, Mr. Fuller. We've got to take a short break here. When we come back, though, because there's, there's this political candidate that's running on the Republican side for presidency, Vivek Ramaswari, and he says that uh, 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 racism, white supremacy, white supremacy is as rare as a unicorn. He doesn't believe in it, and, and he's, not, he's not white. He would, he would be considered a brown, or, but he's not black, but he's not white. 
but he doesn't believe there's anything uh, by the name of, of racism, white supremacy. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you approach that when we get back, but we've got to take a quick look at the traffic and weather in our different cities. Folks, you want to speak to Neely Fuller, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV or on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour, we're closing out Black August with Nilly Fuller Jr. And he's going to expound on his tome on racism, white supremacy. And you know what he says? If you don't understand how the system of racism, white supremacy works and all that entails and everything else that you think you understand, it only serves to confuse you. And you got to listen real keenly. I got to tell you that straight up because he uses logic, cause and effect to prove his points. Those of you who have taken logic in, in college, you understand what he's saying. Because when I heard it first, I didn't get it. It took a while for me to get it. But now I understand how the system of racism, white supremacy works. Having said that, before we left for the traffic and weather update, uh, Mr. Fuller, we were talking about Vivek Ramaswari, the uh, the person who's running uh, on the GOP ticket. He wants to be the uh, next president of the United States. And he's, he says that uh, racism and white supremacy doesn't exist, and he's not white. Can you, can you explain what's going on there? Well, I'll say what, uh, what I've written and how to respond to a question like that. Uh, when a person says something, about race, racism, and our counter-racism, either directly or indirectly, I am required. That's why I say according to a code. We need a code. I am required according to a code based on logic to say, he said, if it's a he who said it, he said what he said. And everybody should consider what is being said and have questions about what is being said. That includes everybody, including myself. It's called the counter-racist code. We need a code where we have a set procedure to go about doing everything, including how to answer a question. Uh, And so the answer to that question is when anybody says anything, anybody, about race, racism, or counter-racism, your response is supposed to be, according to logic, it's the most efficient way to have a conversation and not have an argument. A conversation is different from an argument, and that's codified, too. But to have a conversation about race, racism, or counter-racism, and somebody says that racism doesn't exist, and you're asked about that, as a person who hears somebody say that, like in this case, that's what that person said. So you just say, that's what the person said. You said that person said that racism doesn't exist. And if you're talking to the person, then you have a series of questions, and those questions might last for two or three weeks. Just one question right after another. And you ask the person who made the statement, racism doesn't exist. Then you, whatever question you want to ask, but you, but your initial response is, well, you said racism doesn't exist? Well, I have some questions about what you said, sir. And it might be 10 questions, or 
or it might be a thousand until you are satisfied with the answers that you get. And and probably, and in the case of myself, I would say, well, what does exist? That would be my first question. And then I'd have a question after that. And then a question after that. Every time I got a, get a response, I would think about what that response was. And then if I had another question, I would ask that. Now, that would be a conversation. You know, I wouldn't be arguing. I'd never make a statement about what somebody else said they believe in. I ask questions. That's the key. To keep from having what? Unnecessary conflict. Which black people are very prone to have. Thousands of unnecessary conflict. And it usually has to do with disagreement. When you don't have to agree or disagree with what anybody says. Except just keep asking questions because the logic of the universe is that if you keep asking questions and getting correct answers to questions, it will always lead. This is a guarantee. Everybody, it will all, questions and answers will always lead if it's enough questions and answers. So let me jump in and ask you this, though. How do you know that the response is the correct answer? You don't. So you ask another another question. Let's keep doing that. See, because unanswered questions is what causes confusion. And confusion is the father and mother of all conflict. Because people get into disagreements. So you you don't agree or disagree with the person. You pass the person and try to find out what what is. Truth is what is. If you keep asking questions and getting correct answers to the questions, and, and you'll get the correct answer eventually because that's in the universe. The correct answers to how to get to the moon and back started with a question, and it ended with a question. That's how people wound up landing on the moon. First of all, they looked up and saw something hanging up there and say, what is that? That's the first question. So over a period of thousands of years, finding somebody figured out what it is. Then finding somebody said, you think we can get there? That's another question. And people went back and forth and back and forth. And as long as they were having arguments, they never got there. But when they start to keep asking questions, the answers come to the source of the questions. That's the nature of the universe. So you're not thinking about who's asking the questions. You don't concentrate on that. You think about what's the answer to that question, the correct answer. And the universe is set up for people that you'll get some answers to some questions. But whatever creates the universe is not going to send you the answer to that question until whatever created you makes
that decision. But if the creator decides to answer the question, you're going to get the answer. And that applies to everybody. But you have to keep asking questions. Babies come into the world asking questions. The first thing that a baby does is what? Cry out. Why? Because the world is a mess, according to every religion, everything that people believe, and, and everything they are taught to believe by evidence is called problems. We all wake up in a world full of problems, and the way to solve problems is through the process of questions and answers. How many questions? How many answers? You don't know until you ask all the questions to get all the answers. But that is that's the key. I think most people will agree with that, even if they don't. The questions and answers here in the universe will prove what is and what isn't. Because that's what that word truth means. What is true? That which is. That which is what? Whatever it is. And you find out whatever it is by questions and answers. Like this very radio program right now we're having. It consists of what? Questions and answers. The Carl Nelson show consists of questions and answers, which is a logical process for doing what? For doing anything. Questions and answers. If you don't know what a saw is or a hammer or a nail, you ask somebody. If you've never seen a hammer, you say, what, what do you do with this? And the person says, that's a hammer. Say, what is a hammer? So I'll show you. That's another thing about questions and answers. When a person gives an answer, it means they are able to show you something. That's how you get to the moon and back. Well, I'll show you. You ask me, can I go to the moon? Well, I'll go to a piece of paper and start writing stuff down. And then the next thing you know, whatever I wrote down, I'll follow the code for doing that. Because that's what writing is, the code. And I'll show you from what I've written down that I figured out a way to do it. After all these trillions of years, for a person to actually do it, when everybody said it couldn't be done. So that's the logic in problem solving. And my focus is on the race problem because I say that's the biggest problem for people to solve on planet Earth in 2023. And without solving that problem, you're not going to solve any problem between people. You can solve problems that involve things like going to the moon and back. But without getting rid of the race problem, which is the biggest problem on the planet, you're not going to solve any other problems between people. Based on Neely Fuller saying that, no. Based on answering, uh, asking and answering questions, what's the biggest problem on the planet? 
That's the question. That's the question that I ask in order to come to the conclusion so far. I could be incorrect. The conclusion I came to, well, for one thing, you're not going to solve any problem without solving the race problem. Because whenever anybody starts out to do anything, they got to go by the races. The white people who believe in racism, that's who they got to deal with. The white people who practice racism. They they know more than anybody else on the planet. They're the most powerful people on the planet, among people. You can't name anybody other than a white supremacist who are more powerful when it comes to people on planet Earth in 2023. All right. And hold that thought right there, Mr. Fuller. We've got to take a short break here. And folks, you got to listen, as I mentioned, you got to listen very, very keenly to what Neely Fuller is saying. And he's speaking about questions. Eric in Forestville has a question for you. And then we've got another tweet question for you as well. You've got a question about Neely Fuller Jr., about racism, white supremacy. If you don't understand it, as he says, everything else that you think you understand only serves to confuse you. And before he leaves, he's going to explain to us why, as a group, we need to have a code, because the other folks have codes that they stick to. 800-450-7876. Speak to Neely Fuller. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. Uh, 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with Neely Fuller Jr. as we close out our Black August month. And we're talking about racism, white supremacy. And you've got to listen very, very, very keenly about the subject of racism, white supremacy, because I've seen from some of the folks who are online got questions they don't understand. And one of the things that Neely Fuller says, if you don't understand how this system works, it's a global system, by the way, and that's the key word. Don't get caught up on the other words. System. How this system works, then everything else that you think you understand only serves to confuse you. Having said that, though, Eric in Forestfield has a question for Neely Fuller Jr. Eric, good morning. You're on the air with Neely Fuller Jr. Uh, good morning, Mr. Nelson. Thank you for taking my call, and it's an honor to talk to Dr. Neely Fuller. Uh, this morning, uh, Doctor Minifula, uh, I want to know why do white folks feel the need to to question us about everything? And I, I bring that up because I uh, I'm on on a Navy base sometimes, uh, and twice I was stopped to ask uh, what did I need any help, and obviously I didn't need any help. And then the other day I was stopped. I was chat someone stopped. He was playing the national anthem. National anthem, and I was driving, and so I didn't. I don't honor the national anthem, so because of the, because of what this country has done to our people. But a lady tried to stop me, telling me I was supposed to stop, but I kept right on, told her mind and business, kept right on. My second question is: um, Do you think that uh, the Europeans in this country are losing ground, parts financial or economic wise? Because I got into a little debate about that, and I'm going to said that they losing ground because of, of birth rate. Otherwise, they're straight on, on track with their uh, mission. And th- again, thank you for taking my call. I have to understand the question. The key question, the question that you're asking is what? It, the question is, sir, um, why do white folks feel a need to question us on everything that we do? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, let me. I never. 
the part of the code that I say we need. You never move to the second question until the first question is asked and answered. And that, 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 that should be always have your mind alert for that, because my mind is alert for it right now. You don't move to the second question until the first question is asked and answered. You got to have that answer to the first question first. The reason being, if you don't do that, you'll have confusion, and you have to avoid confusion at all costs. Because confusion is not going to lead to anything but chaos, and chaos leads to conflict. So the question is, why did what? Why do white white folks feel the need to question us about everything that we do? Okay, that's the question. Yes, sir. Because the white people, not all white people, but those white people who believe in and who practice and participate in the system of white supremacy as white supremacists have the power to do that. And that is their will that they, if they believe in white supremacy, that they have the power and they follow that will that they have to exercise that power in doing what makes white supremacy work, dominate and mistreat people of color. That's the answer to that question. Why do they do that? Because they chose to. That's it. It's just that simple. There, yon goes the person that has color in his skin or her skin. And my mission is to dominate that person in all areas of activity 24-7, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. Called the nine areas of activity. The white supremacist says, if I am white, and that person that I'm looking at is black. I have a duty to dominate and mistreat that person in all of those nine areas of activity worldwide, 24-7, with no exceptions. That's the answer to the question. And that system has been the most successful government that the world has ever seen in recorded history. All right. Eric, your second question for Mr. Fuller? Yeah. Well, my second question was, do he think that uh, here in the United States or even worldwide that the white male is losing ground uh, for us economic and structure-wise? Uh, I don't think he is. The only thing he's losing ground was his birth rate, and he's upset about that. That's why the Roe Roe versus Wade is in effect, uh, and that's what I, that's my second question. Well, it's like going to the moon. In answer to that question, 
I believe it when I see it. I'm required to say that okay. according to logic. Everything that I say is supposed to be according to logic. And, and logic is about questions and answers. So the way everything is and has been, the only time Neely Fuller can logically believe that the system of white supremacy is going out of business is when it actually happened. All right. Uh, 14 away from the top. Uh, Mr. Fuller, uh, this tweeter went out and he says he bought your book a couple of weeks ago, so he's happy that you're back on the air. He says, uh, uh, he says that, uh, please ask Neely Fuller Jr. a question that is floating around on social media. And the, the question is, is racism a mental illness? I'd love to hear what he has to say. Yes. The que- it is. Yes. Mental illness is a requirement of the system of white supremacy. Why? Logically speaking, because the system of white supremacy is an illness itself. The greatest illness on the planet here in the year 2023. It poisons everything. Now, it's very efficient when it comes to handling things but it makes everybody mentally ill when it comes to relationships between people. That's why we have gotten to the place where, under the system of white supremacy, where killing people is fun. That's why the average bookstore has more murder mysteries than any other type of book in there. I don't think we've ever thought about that. We mean the people who haven't thought about it. But as far back as I can remember, some of the first books that I bought on my own to pay money for were books called what? Murder Mysteries. Starting with I was just looking at a bookstore or going to a library. Some of the first people I heard about and, and and looking at television later on, Sherlock Holmes, the head in the basement, the body in the trunk, and this big, thick book that cost a whole lot of money. And you still have them. The white supremacists push that type of thinking. So when you say something about a black teenager shooting somebody, stop and think about the dominant culture of this entire world. All of the heroes are people who have swords in their hands for the most part. And they build statues to them. People who are killers. People who kill people. Reenactments of so-called civil wars over and over again. They'll say that the civil war is over, but we're going to get out there and reenact every battle. 
and glorify all the bodies that were lying over whatever battlefield there is out there. So let me jump in here for a second, Neely Fulligina, and if you can explain it, uh, break it down for us, because people are listening, and they're going to talk about these young people who are killing each other. They're being Baltimore, Chicago, L.A., Detroit, uh, Memphis. Yeah, we know we know what we're talking about here, the so-called black-on-black crime. And they're going to say, well, the white man didn't pull the trigger. How can we blame that on racism, white supremacy? Can you explain that for us? Because they provided the trigger for it to be pulled. They knew how to stop it. Anything that you know how to start, you know how to stop it. The creator of the universe made it that way. There's a limited number of things that people can do. And so the creator just lets you do it. So the most powerful people on the planet and what people would think, talking about it, because we're still talking about insanity. They say, we're going to teach people to glorify killing. And particularly black people, we're going to teach them to write songs about and books about and, and, and poems about killing each other. And then they're going to do it. Why? Because we train them that way. They are our Negroes. They are our non-white people. And we're going to teach them what we already know the most about. We know how to start it. And we know how to stop it, but we ain't gonna, because we enjoy it. We are insane as we can be, and we enjoy being insane and making everybody else that way. That's why you got to get rid of this system of racism. It's just as evil as it can be. I mean, it's pure evil, from top to bottom. When it comes to interaction with people, with what fascinates, you know, all black people, non-white people of the planet, is that there's so many things that are so charming that go with it. You know, bling bling and all this and all like that. Say, so, yeah, but yeah, we slaughter each other. People, you know. Killing a person ain't nothing. I mean, you can't even remember the person's name that got killed 15 minutes ago. Well, that ain't important. What's important is the bling-bling, riding around in a fancy car. People don't mean nothing. I'll kill somebody for 15 cents or even for nothing just because they're there, standing on the bus stop. I think I'll kill him. That's the kind of thinking. That's the system of white supremacy breeds. And they love it. And they teach everybody else to love it. Pure evil. Total insanity. And we have all gotten used to it. And embrace it. Yeah, and hold that thought right there, Mr. Fuller. We've got to take a short break, and we'll come back. We've got some more phone calls for you. It's uh, six minutes away from the top of the hour. We've got to check the traffic and weather and the news in Baltimore. Folks, you want to join this discussion uh, with Neely Fuller Jr. discussing racism, white supremacy. And again, you've got to listen real, real keenly. 
if so you can understand what he what he's saying to you because he uses logic cause and effect to prove his points 800-450-7876 those are the magic numbers to speak to native fuller jr your phone calls in four minutes right here in baltimore on 1010 wolb also in the dmv run fm 95.9 and am 1450 wol where information is power keep Good morning again, family. A minute after the top of the hour, we're closing out uh, Black August with Neely Fuller Jr. discussing racism, white supremacy. He says that if you don't understand how that system works, then everything else that you think you understand only serves to confuse you. And again, you've got to listen very, very keenly because he uses logic, cause and effect to prove his points. And once you get it, you're going to go, wow, it's, it's that simple. But it's, I know some people didn't get I didn't get it the first time, I'll, I'll admit I had to go to Dr. Wilson and say, hey, I didn't get it. You know, explain this to me. And she did. And I got t- somebody tweeting something for you, uh, nearly full Jr. about Dr. Wilson. We'll get that in a moment. But Mark's been holding for a while. He's online, too, calling from Baltimore. Mark, your question for Neely Fuller Jr. Hey, how y'all doing this morning? Um, you know, Carl, I usually have my list uh, that, that uh, Dr. Fuller. Good morning, Dr. Fuller. And um, uh, Francis Crest Wellesley. Uh, had about um, ra- um, counter-racist behaviors, you know, stuff that, that, that we can do in our, our communities and stuff to counter-racism. Because here in Baltimore, and, and, I, and let me talk about that, that Indian guy. What they do, um, Carl and, and, and um, Dr. Fuller, is they, like, they'll use what you call, uh, like me and Kevin was talking about, like shock and awe. They'll come out and say something, you know, like white supremacy and, and racism don't don't exist and all that kind of stuff, just to, you know, get some attention. Like Ben Carson, who's a brilliant surgeon here in Baltimore, when he went into politics, the first thing he said and became the darling of the Republican Party is uh, the Affordable Health Care Act is, is, is like slavery, you know. And, and now he's out of politics, back to his senses, and he's here on education, um, helping with, with our schools being sued. My question is, um, what what are the counter-racist, why did you and uh, Dr. Welding have the counter-racist behaviors of things that we need to stop doing to each other? Um, like in Baltimore here, uh, it's just really off the hook. You know, my nephew was murdered last week just because he was on the other side of town, Carl. You should be able to go anywhere in any city and not get murdered. You know, we got a mother speaking up now, um, Hispanic lady, because her daughter was was shot in Brooklyn Day. She's speaking up because now all of the stuff coming out about the failures. So why did you and her write the counter-racist behaviors and what are they that we can practice in our community to counter-racism? All right. Thanks, Mark. Well, that's, we need a whole code, a code for doing everything. And that code is supposed to be always stewards. Does it have constructive results? Because everything that a black person engages in in a person of color. You should have one question in mind from beginning to end. 
Does it produce constructive results? Otherwise, we ain't going to be involved in it as best we possibly can. Now, that should be in every black person's mind, every person of color throughout the entire planet, because it's got to be planet-wise. Just having it in Baltimore and Memphis, Tennessee, that ain't going to cut it. They have, have, have to have a uniform code of activity. Thought, speech, action. That's what people do. You have thoughts, you have speech, and you have actions. And for every thought that you have, for everything that you say, like I'm saying something now, I hope that's a constructive value, for everything that I say is supposed to produce a constructive result. I got to have a code for that. Then I always do the same thing over and over again. Once that same thing always works and produces in that work a constructive result in everything that not only in thought and speech, but definitely when it comes to action. We have to have a code. We don't have one. See, the white supremacists are precision people. They have a code. That's why they're the most powerful people on the planet. Things that they do, things that they definitely ain't going to do. Because why? They found out by trial and error what makes them powerful and what doesn't. And that's something that black people don't understand at all. The mathematics, because that's all the universe is. Think what works, what doesn't work. Black people are dedicated, because we're trained that way, to do things that do not work. And we glorify it, because we've been trained that way, too. Trained by whom? The white supremacists. So the white supremacists have a code, an exact code. By the time they're 15 years old, they got it. They got it. They picked it up just by watching other white people. They don't have to talk about it or anything like that. They just, but we look at white people, and they're a complete mystery to us. We're looking at them every day, and we are seeing what they do. Well, why is it they're more powerful than we are? It's because they have a code and we don't. We just wake up in the morning and do like we're trained to do. There's any any kind of old raggedy thing, any kind of old raggedy way. And that's why we are raggedy people, all of us, worldwide, trying to find some historical artifacts and all like that uh, and thinking we can find something that we used to do that will take care of our problems today. We came under enslavement everywhere the white supremacists showed up worldwide, even when it's just 10 of them. Those 10, if they arrived in the morning on your desert island, they would have everybody eating out of their uh, hand by noon that day. And they say, well, we, we've been here for a thousand years.
is. Doesn't make no difference where you are. The white supremacist said, we just got here this morning, and we are kicking you all over the place after your thousand years of history. You're bragging about your civilization. We're going to take care of your civilization. I mean, you ain't going to recognize it by this evening. And I just arrived here this morning at 4 o'clock a.m., and here it is, 12 o'clock p.m., and why is it I have you doing whatever I want done, and you can't do nothing with your so-called civilized background? You ain't got nothing because you ain't got no logic. You ain't got no code. We have a code, the most powerful code ever thought up, called white supremacy. Negro. Nine after the top of the hour, Mr. Fuller. Uh, the tweet question says, uh, Mark brought up uh, uh, Dr. Wilson. The tweeter says, when you coined the phrase, it's a system of racism, white supremacy, did something happen in your life? How did this come about? And the person goes on to say, I first heard it from Dr. Wilson, and she always gave you credit for educating her. For stumbling and fumbling, like you find out anything. I mean, neither Fuller is not unique, but I start paying more attention to details. And I said, all this is is a system of racism, you know, this thing that they call racism. It's just mistreatment. They figured out, these white people figured out a way to mistreat people in such a slick way they don't even know that they're being mistreated. And I said, wow, this is off the hook. This is much bigger than people just talking about you know, being on the plantation and all like that. This is an entire system that takes in everything. Some white person, presumably, logically speaking, thought of that. Let's do all the world's business on the basis of what color somebody is. And became the biggest mafiosa organized criminal enterprise in recorded history, according to Neely Fuller? No, according to the evidence. I just paid attention to detail. That's the only thing I did that was different from what I think most people do. Paying attention to every detail of what everybody is doing. In other words, mostly, rather than what black people do most, watch each other, I started watching white people and paying attention to what they do. I said, how do they do this? I mean, they're so, it's, it's magic. Even when they're drunk, they're still running everything. When they're drunk, they're running everything. So this is an entire system. And so once I found out, that's how anybody can do it, once they work out a system. And what is a system? A system is just doing what works and separating what works from what doesn't work. Being able to think ahead, like you're driving down a road. you got to have some idea, hopefully, of where you're going and what you're going to do when you get there. And the white supremacists figured out we're going to figure out what everybody's going to be doing, starting with ourselves. 
and we're going to codify how to start doing it and how what the finished product is going to be. And that's all that they really did when nobody else was doing that. And that's where we are now. But we haven't caught on. That that's all that they really do. We're going to dominate and mistreat people based on color. That's a decision that somebody made who was white. And then they start figuring out. See, once you decide what you're going to do, if you keep at it, you're going to do it. If the creator allows you to do it. And so they figured out a system to do that. But they had to figure it out before they started doing it. And they made a whole lot of errors. But that's how you learn, trial and error. So I just figured out what they did. That's the only thing that Needlesville has done that's different from what most, I guess, black scholars, because I've been trying to tell them. Don't mix up white supremacy with Americanism. That's a code. Never mixed up white supremacy. And I started telling black people that. I said, they trap you with language. They use language to get you into a trick bag and you don't even know it. Pay attention to every word and ask questions about every word. And I've been trying to tell people that for over 50 years, and I haven't caught on yet. On this program this morning, people are using words like Republican and liberal <laughs> without doing what? Doing the fundamental thing that comes with the universe, and that is asking questions. Right. Sure. Hold that thought right there, Mr. Fuller. Hold that thought right there. Yeah. we got to take a quick break and check the traffic. I'll let you pick it up right there. We come back and we got some folks who want to talk to you. 800-450-7876. Speak to Nathan Fuller Jr. Your call is in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with Neely Fuller Jr. Mr. Fuller's explaining the, to us about racism, white supremacy. He says we need a code. He says it's a global system, racism, white supremacy. White folks have a code, a code when it comes to dealing with us, whether they're in New Zealand, whether they're in Chicago, or in South America, in London, wherever they are. They, they deal with us the same way, and we need a code to deal with them. But more importantly, we need a code to deal with ourselves. Because once you understand how the system of racism and white supremacy works, you won't attack or put down or go against another black person, because that's what the, the racists want. They want us to keep us fighting the, against each other, so we, we, right, we take our eyes off them. So whenever you hear anybody who looks like you who's putting down another black person, or they're the same as the, the young brothers shooting each other, they don't understand that they've got to get on code. That's exactly what the white folks want. That's why they were so, so surprised at what happened in, uh, in Birmingham, in Alabama, that when there was some sort of unity shown. They didn't ask who it was. It was a black man in trouble, and, and black people responded. We saw it at the track meet with uh, Shakari and the Jamaican sisters. And now we're seeing it overseas. When this year, with the young brothers saying, France, we're, we're kicking you out. You're no longer in charge, and you take your stooges with you. So I, I think this is a sea change, Mr. Fuller, that people are understanding how 
what you and Dr. Welsh have been teaching us about the system of racism, and white supremacy, and people are picking up on it a little and understanding how it is that we have to have a code for ourselves. And I'll let you get into that a little more, but it's a bunch of folks got questions for you. So let's go to Gene on line one, calling for Baltimore. Gene, your question for Neely Fuller Jr. Yes, good morning, Dr. Fuller. I uh, want to clarify a statement I thought you made some time ago, not today, but on your previous talks on the show. And you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. I thought you made a statement that we as blacks cannot be successful in doing anything without the assistance of whites. Is that a correct statement? Yes, we are prisoners of war. Every black person on this planet, according to Neely Fuller, no, according to the evidence. And so, who are the prison masters? Every white person who believes in and who practices the religion of white supremacy. And what is the name of that religion? The religion of white supremacy. Don't call it anything else. Don't get it mixed up with Islam, Judaism, Christianity, or anything else. White supremacy is a religion, the most powerful religion that the world has ever seen here in the year 2023, month of August. I'm going to make that statement again. August, year 2023. For posterity. I'm going to make a true statement, and that true statement is the most powerful religion that has ever appeared among the people of the known universe in August 2023. The most powerful religion is the religion in capital letters, and don't call it by anything else, of white supremacy. Why? Because the dominant people on this planet are those white people who have chosen to be white supremacists. And they are dominant over everybody in every area of activity who has color in his or her skin. That's why it's called the religion of white supremacy. It's not Judaism. It's not Christianity. It's not Islam. People who have other religions, they say, if they have color in their skin, those people who have that religion, the white supremacists come around and say, I don't care what your religion is, what your black self. You're going to do what I say. And when you look at the evidence, they're telling the truth. They're not lying. You, with your black skin, are going to do with me, with my white skin, what I say. You can believe anything you want to, but you're going to do what I say. That's called white supremacy. See, we got to get the words straight. Talking about Republicans and conservatives and liberals. You always ask whomever's using the term, wait a minute, what's a liberal? I might have a thousand questions about just that word alone. 
Now, that's the only thing that Neely Fuller does that's different than other people do. Because I found that out. That whatever language you use, you have to know exactly what that word means. Otherwise, you've got confusion in your mind. Because the white supremacists know what words mean because they invent the terms. And then they say what it means, and they'll change them every five minutes. Even the meaning of words, the meaning of... What did that fellow ask as an example? And I hope I'm not steering too far away from the question. Somebody, I saw it on television. Here's a lady applying for a job, and she's a black lady. And he asked what I call out of nowhere, which I always suspect, a question. See, questions, questions. And what was the question? What is a woman? And almost everything came to a standstill. Why? Because of the logic, one thing, of a question. Now, this is something that everybody's supposed to have been agreed on. And he asked that question. Wait a minute. I think I'm going to ask a question. What is a woman? That's a very simple question. But everything went silent. All of a sudden. It was almost like magic happening. What is a woman? Now, that question has an answer. But nobody was thinking about the answer. So I'm saying that's why black people need a code. All right. And, and let me jump in here before we speak to Brother Koss uh, and, and uh, speak to her. I think Gene is the question. Gene, it's, it's not literally, it's metaphorically. We're in a prison, and that's, and that's why we attack each other. We don't attack the, 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 the warden or the guards. We attack each other. And we're in a mental yeah, prison. Right. So I hope that gives you more clarity what Dr. Fuller is trying to say. Uh, 28 after the top there, as I mentioned, Brother Carlos is on line four. He's calling for Waldorf. Brother Carlos, your question for Neely Fuller, Jr. Uh, yeah. Good morning, uh, uh, Professor Fuller, uh, Fuller and um, Brother Carl. Thank you for taking my call. My question is very direct, uh, uh, Dr. Fuller. What do we do with the sellouts in our community? Do we ostracize them? Uh, what is our code for dealing with the sellouts in our community? Well, for one thing, you deal with the word sellout. You can't sell what you don't own, that you don't have control over. Black people don't have control over other black people. We know where we get our food, and we are beggars because we are in the position of beggars because we are prisoners of war. So we can't sell nothing. It's just like being in a, think about the world being a prison, and black people, all black people are in that prison, and the prison master is all white. So a fellow prisoner cannot sell me to nobody. Now, you might say, well, he snitches and all like that. He ain't in charge of nothing. The decisions are made by white people in a system of white supremacy. All of the decisions 
when a black person says what well, he's so-called sell out on anything, don't mean nothing until the white supremacists. Who's he going to sell to? He ain't got nothing to sell. No black person on this planet got anything to sell. He's just a prisoner walking around in our prison uniform, which is our dark skin. That's all we got. And we don't own none of that. So you can't sell what you don't own. So what do you do in answer to this question? You realize, as a part of your code, that he can't sell me. The white supremacists are going to make the decision about what happens to me. I'm in their prison. I'm not in his. I'm not his prison or her prison, the so-called sellouts. So in answer to that, what you do, like I've done, like I want a job, I've walked into an office. I see six black people sitting there and one white man. I've actually done this myself as a part of the code. I say, okay, here's the setup. Oh, I'm saying this in my mind because I know the white code, some of it anyway. If I knew it all, this solved. This problem would be solved. But I'm going to give people an example so they'll understand what I'm talking about, that we need a code. When I walked into that office and saw those six black people sitting there, I say, those six black people are not in charge of nothing. That white man sitting over there is. See, that's, that's when you understand the white code. That's when you show some signs of understanding. So I sat down and listened to those, or for three of those black people in that room, attack me indirectly, because that's why they were sent for. I already know that. That white person was sitting there not saying nothing. But see, I got sense enough to know the white code. That white person is the one who is determining everything that's going to happen. So according to the counter-racist code, which is what I try to follow, the parts that I've invented so far. I said, okay, sir, uh, always be polite. That's a part of the code to polite to everybody, including the people who were attacking me. And I responded to the only person in that room that had any credibility, and that is the white person. I already knew that. I say, these black people are scared to death. They're not, they're not in charge of nothing. And they're not really harming me. The harm is going to come from where the power is. And so this white man said, well, you know, we are committed here. and, uh, and But I let him know, according to the code, but I have reason to believe, sir, these are my words, that you or the person who makes the decision, sir, about what happens to me and also what happens to the rest of the people in this room and a lot of other rooms because you are in that position. 
Right. And Tilly Fuller, I hate to do this, but hold that thought right there. We'll let you take us back to that story when we go, uh, after we check the latest news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. at 26 away from the top of the hour, folks. We're going to take this break and get caught up in the latest uh, news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. And we'll be back in four minutes, though, with Neely Fuller Jr. right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. 19 minutes away from the top of the hour. Nearly full of June. Before we go back to Nearly, let me just remind you, tomorrow's uh, Friday, so we give you a chance to free your mind, think for yourself, and reach out to us. Well, this is Open Phone Friday. We start promptly at 6 a.m. Eastern Time right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Mr. Fuller, before we left for the news, traffic, and weather update, you were telling us about the story that you went into this uh, building, uh, I guess, and it was uh, a group of black men and one white man, and you discerned right away that the white man had the, had the power. So I'm going to let you pick it up right there. Yes. And anyhow, I, see, I don't remember all of the details, but I kind of figured which way it had to go because I said, well, I'm going to use a counter-racist code because I, this is a situation, and all situations have a racist code and a counter-racist code. So I had codified that part of what I'm supposed to do in a situation like that, which is why I say black people need a code where when you do it, you know it's going to work. But I didn't know it was going to work, see, so I was running a trial. And it turned out that it worked in that particular situation. And so, you know, if you find something that works, you keep doing it. So what I did because I briefly done it before, just as a little test, but that wasn't a good strong test, but this was a good strong test. So in my own sloppy way, trying to get codified, I let that white man know that he was in charge of everything, and it was just me and him in that room. But those black people didn't mean nothing, because... It's always the person who makes the final decision. That's where the meaning is. And so this white man let me know that he knew which way I was going with it after a little while, going back and forth in my sloppy way. And he said, oh, he's on to it that I am where the power is. Because, see, he was often out like he was just an observer. And that these black people... McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. According to the white code, had been put up front to block me at everything, you know, and tear me apart. And then I would be trying to tear them apart. 
I acted according to what the code called me for me to do. These black people are not even in this room. I don't have to pay no attention to nothing that they're saying. And I'm not. I'm going to finally get this white guy to tell me that he's in charge of what's going to happen to me because that's what white supremacy means. These black people don't run nothing in the system of white supremacy. No black person does. Nowhere on the planet. I know that for a fact. Okay? So this white guy said, well, we'll make a decision. We'll get back to you. Okay? They never got back to me. Because the decision was going to be made, and it was something against me that was going to work real well, and I was going to be walking around cussing those black people out in my mind forever because they sold me out. And I know, according to the code, black people ain't got nothing to sell because they don't even own themselves in the system of white supremacy. That's how powerful the system of white supremacy is. We first have to come to that conclusion. No powerful black people on this planet. Not one. In the system of white supremacy, that doesn't add up. No such thing as a powerful black person. We're all prisoners of war. Begging. Begging what? The prison masters. See, we need to tell the truth to ourselves and stop lying to ourselves. Because when you lie to yourself, you're through booking. Right out of the gate. And we've got to stop that. And black people try to get, just stop using that term, white supremacy. Black people have been telling me that for years. I said, why not tell the truth? That's the way you get things done. You never get things done on a lie. If you're playing football, black people understand that when they play football. They say, man, I really messed up. I messed up big time in this game. And I know where I made my mistakes. So when I go back on the field in the next game, they're going to get a surprise because I'm going to codify them forward passes. I know who to throw to and who not to. And I'm going to talk to the coach about that. See, that's what I mean by codification. You do what works. Black people just throw anything together in a kind of old sloppy way, and they, you know, and the white supremacists just sit back and laugh. Because they know that they're going to win before they sit down. That's what a code well, hope, means. You don't I lose. This is sinking in. Uh, you got another f- f- bunch of folks want to talk to you nearly full of 14 yeah. away from the top. Yeah. Rick's on line two calling from Atlanta. Rick, your question for Neely Fuller Jr. Mr. Fuller, it is a pleasure to talk to you. First of all, I'd like to say how much I admire your logic and your contribution to black thinking and black consciousness. I've read your book, and I know you want us to develop a code. Your book has been out a while, and you had a chance to uh, get some feedback from it. What aspect of your work would you like most to expand or develop and clarify on and are you writing any more books? Thank you. Thanks, Rick. No, I'm not intending to. And, and I always tell people, now I have two volumes that are out here now, and then the original volume for people who want it. But uh, I'm thinking about putting some writings that I just 
didn't intend to publish if I can get them cleaned up in time. And the volumes that I have out now are kind of clumsily written. But I had to get something out because I know I don't know how long I'll be here on the planet. So the 2016 volume that's out and the word guide is what I want people to concentrate on as a beginning of understanding what codification means. We have to have a code. Otherwise, we'll just be doing the same things over and over again that have not worked. We know it hasn't worked because it hasn't worked. And the key is, I said, nothing works without a code. And anytime people are just trying to guess their way through every situation each and every day, and you're going up against the people who have a code for everything, what uh, what is a code? Do's and don'ts. That's all it is. Don't say this under any circumstance. That's the white supremacists. They tell other white supremacists that. Don't ever say this. Don't ever let these words come out of your mouth. Because everything mostly is about saying and doing. But you do your thinking first. And you do your research and all like that. So that you walk into the room, you're not scratching your head. There are lots of cartoons of black people doing what? Scratching their head, trying to get their head to work before their body starts working. And so the best way we know how to handle any, any situation is start cussing and talking loud. We do that. We are known for that. And we think that it works. But we need to examine that and say, now, that doesn't work. I was cussing, I was talking loud, but I wound up being taken to jail after the guy told me, well, buddy, I don't want to take you to jail. All right? So it's a way for you to get out of this, and that is just quiet down and uh, listen to me. Now, black people should have a code for that, but we get louder. And start talking about what you talking to me like that for. Show me some respect. And the person told you, don't say anything and ask and answer questions. So that's what you do. You don't make your situation worse. You're trying to prove some points based on this is the way we act in the ghetto. Well, depends on who you're acting in the ghetto with. Now, that white person with that gun, that's your master. We don't understand that yet. We think that running down the highway, we can get all the way back to Africa and somebody will cover us here in the northwestern hemisphere. That's our code. We don't take no, you know what, that four-letter word. I don't take You're taking it when you were born. You were born in it. You were born in prison. You're already a prisoner of war, not just when you get pulled over. So when you're in prison, 
Now you're real tame, what they call prison. But you're already in a prison. It's called the world if you're black. So you act accordingly. Now that's code. That's counter-racist code. Be quiet. Don't have all this lip. And definitely, there's three things that the code says when you're pulled over, as an example. Don't fuss. Don't fight. And don't flee. Why? All right. I'm going to let thought right there, uh, Mr. Fuller, because we're just about out of time. I want you to give you, we've got 60 seconds left. Can you tell folks how they can get copies of your book? Yes. Go to ProduceJustice.com. And every, the information you need to know to get the book called The Counter-Racist Code is right there at that website. Very simple. ProduceJustice.com. Because the implication is, if you're going to get rid of something, like the system of racism, you need to replace it with something better. And something better than racism is what? Justice. Which means what? Guaranteeing that no one is mistreated and guaranteeing that the person who needs help the most gets the most constructive help. Go to ProduceJustice.com. Thank you, Mr. Fuller. And thank you for all the work you've been doing all these years. It's, and I got to tell you, it is catching on. People are understanding. It took a while to let persons like myself understand how the system of racism and white supremacy works. But now I think a lot of our folks have figured it out. You know, if you're doing something that the oppressor likes, you're caught up in the system. So I, th- I want to thank you again for all the work that you've done and, of course, for the books that you produced as well. Thank you, Mr. Fuller. Well, thank you for inviting me, sir, and uh, thank all the people who are listening. And I just want to apologize for my sloppiness because I'm kind of wearing out and my mind doesn't work the way that it should. It never has, but I'm doing the best I can. Well, we appreciate you. And thank you. Folks, we've got to get out of here. Six away from the top. They are. Have a great day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.